0: You're listening to Red Nation Online. Uh, goes to two defenders, it's in the middle there, Hutchinson! My, oh my, it's 3-0. Atiba Hutchinson pokes it in, another goal that's not terribly pretty.
1: Friday, September 4th, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen and Kamal Hilton, and I'm Ian Clark, and we're post-match Canada's 3-0 win over Belize in the opening leg of the third round of World Cup qualifying. It's not the usual linear format of ESSU, as we mostly bounce around the discussion of key players and tactics. Through that, though, we run through the match, look at the state of support for Canada, then look ahead to the away leg and what Canada's chances are for the next round. All this and more in the next 50 minutes on East Side Stand Up. Eastside stand up the I guess the CMNT version on uh RNO Rooftop Studios with Kamal and Aaron and uh 3.0 yeah.
0: yeah
1: I don't know if I don't know how to like categorize
0: Is it a comfy 3.0 Technically yes <laughs> but I don't know I have some reservations going into like okay we clearly got by Belize going into the second leg but I have some reservations going into the group stages, considering who we have to play.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think the reservations were going to be there anyway, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I just um,
1: this these two games could go a long way in confidence building.
2: Sure. You know, I I assume, I hope they went to this game thinking Canada that is going to the game thinking that they were going to win and and win fairly easily and from the start, my only issue with the roster, I felt comfortable with the lineup Canada put onto the field. I just don't think they sort of scouted Belize, because there was no need for three defensive midfielders, and even when um, the Guzman got hurt very early, they put Piet on instead of, you know, necessarily another striker, and that could have changed the dictate of the game. So they, you know, I'm sure the possession numbers are amazing, but I didn't think there was a lot of final product from Canada within tonight's game.
0: Positives for me, even though we had nothing to do. I mean, you could have played my grandma in goal <laughs> and she would have done just the same. But I mean, Kenny Stamatopoulos, I'm glad that. Flora Is your grandma st-
1: still alive? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's even more amazing then.
0: But yeah, that actually
1: I mean, yeah, helps your point.
0: There you go. But I'm glad Floro stuck with him. Um, considering his gold cup, uh, fair yeah, enough. Like, yeah, well, like, rewarded him for. To what be I, for honest with you, the...
2: some of the greatest pre-analysis of the game uh, was Kamal because we actually showed up. We were at the CNE because CNE was going on, so we showed up to the game because we got bored of the CNE about a half hour before the game starts. So we actually got to see the guys train, and you can say your story about you know how. Canada's the training and how they group that together. Yeah. But you knew, you know, the starting lineup, you <laughs> knew the, when the substitutions were and stuff, so, you well, know. Well,
0: generally, what they do is they have the starters train together and the bench will train together. So I'm running through, I'm like, okay. I'm looking at the familiar faces. Atiba's back, Will Johnson's back. So, yeah, they're all going to start. And I saw Izzy Nakajima <laughs> Farren. Like, uh, they might not be be doing I what I, I expect it. them but to so do so much. This so is an
1: interesting <laughs> warm up
2: that they're <laughs> so doing where they're that, mixing that, the bench and the starters together. That was so funny. The funny part of that was is is Kamal was more sure that they changed the trading that would start for all. <laughs> like it wasn't like oh maybe they'll start for all. it was like no man they must be changing the trading yeah, well, that he, guy's trading doing the something
0: different <laughs> And then well I guess I was right after all. Oh jeez.
1: I mean, well okay, so the maybe just to back up two seconds, because I didn't quite get into that that opening segment. There was, you know, my pregame thoughts and pregame analysis. And almost any time, I feel like up until this the fourth round, the next round that we're in, I feel like Canada should beat every
0: yeah.
1: CONCACAF team ranked higher than 100 four nil at BMO Field. Yeah. I feel like that is the proper scoreline all times. And then when they go away, it's one to two 0 Okay. Is, is come like a six nil aggregate against the CONCACAF teams ranked higher than a hundred, or hundred and thirty. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the way I expect it. And I, if we had finished that game two nil, I would have been a little like. The three 0 made a, quite a bit of a difference in my mind. Well, the, um,
2: to credit to Belize, and this is the one thing we did notice about Belize was, is their defensive awareness was actually very good, and they played a very overly defensive style. We were wondering if their coach is Italian. But they played a very system. And they actually played a system because you saw their back four running back when when the offside thing was going. You saw them, you know, covering people and, and jumping in if a guy was, you know, free or a guy wasn't free or double teaming when it was necessary. So certainly Belize, I don't think Belize was as athletic as Dominica, but they were certainly more football knowledgeable or, or football aware. The one thing I did notice is, is that Belize was very light and and the Canadians were able to push them around and the referee was aligned to them. And then it didn't even look like there weren't even, like it wasn't the Canadians were pushing them forcefully. It was just that, you know, as soon as the guy would hold on to a Canadian player, he'd just fall off. And again, it's one of those things where maybe they took advantage of that a bit in the second half, but you would want them to exploit that because it's certainly a lack that they're not going to experience in their everyday soccer thing. And what you hope, professionals is that they can see where the other players are not professionals or where their faults are and turn that and take advantage of that in the game.
0: Yeah, I think also uh, Belize goalkeeper was really good and that combined with their defensive structure might have thrown Canada off a bit because I think I I'm not going uh, to th- thrust this on Floro and them but maybe they think all smaller island nations that are more known for like...
1: Or Central America, <laughs> Central like the tiniest oh. of Central American yeah, nations. I think, I think Belize the peninsula.
0: Whatever oh. <laughs> this is geography hour. <laughs> anyway, no, it's not.
1: It's not the geography podcast. Anyway. <laughs>
0: anyway, they're more known for like being a drug haven. Anyway, those kind of countries. But what I'm saying is that might have thrown Canada off a bit. In fact, I think it did. They knew they're going to get a lot of possession, but I think they might have thought. Belize is similar to Dominica where they can shoot and you know they'll they can you know take more risks Whereas I don't think they were able to do that. Yeah Belize.
1: Well, I think if I the you know, if you make the joke that maybe I did more scouting than Canada did leading this game Because you know when I was looking at the players the except for I think four players that are currently in their system they all play Belizean football. Okay. So the keeper, if I remember correctly, the keeper plays in Guatemala. Okay. One defender plays in Honduras. The striker, Dion McCauley, used to play on the Atlanta Silverbacks.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and then I,
1: they have a striker as playing college ball. Okay. That wasn't called up. And I think the rest are all like in these yeah. sort of semi-pro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the police force has a f- soccer team <laughs> okay. in Belize, and I think it's called Police FC. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And that's maybe consistent with, you know, you have a, your keeper looked pretty good if this was the same guy, but I would be surprised if it wasn't. And then, you know, one yeah. defender did sort of, there was that number three, I think that was fairly big okay. and looked kind of like he could stack up against uh, Kyle Lauren and Haber. And, and then after that, uh, it kind of just all fell away. But I, th- I do agree that I think Canada just came in with their approach Yeah, for them and maybe thought that okay, this was we went up against the last time we played a smaller country. Let's let's go wide. Let's try crossing yeah, and, balls in.
2: And one of my it's, it's it's interesting you bring that up because that was one of my questions. Um, the fact that they're generally using three holding midfielders is the idea there to let Ledgerwood, DeYoung and I guess Morgan, if he's part of the team, to run up. For, and then put you know, and then uh, have uh, the mid, the defensive midfielders come back and help the defense. Is that like the structure of the team? Well, is I that, mean that a... that would probably be the idea. However, I don't know.
1: I mean, when we when we played Dominica, we did see a fair bit of play through the middle. Yeah, like they they mixed it up. Yeah, um, and then maybe this is the this is the next point to discuss that in terms of this approach that we took and the players that were selected, and if we look at the previous round. Um, you know, and we are—we've we, mentioned Issy going in there, and I think I—I I would expect that you're going to hear after this weekend some discussion of you know why wasn't Tasha Wakandele given some time, maybe why maybe why wasn't Michael Petrasso uh, given some minutes, uh, or Tibert
2: allowed yeah. to start. Yeah.
1: There's a couple guys I think that...
2: Well, the only reason that, again, because of them going into the game thinking long-term, the only reason I see Isse and Ricketts is, is that they think they can play wide midfield as opposed to playing striker. And in a game against Mexico or even a game against Honduras or someone like that, you can play a 4-5 or, or, yeah, uh one and have Lauren up alone and have those guys play more of a... You know, and again, like Tybert, you know, and I think Tybert's a good player... In terms of being a, def- you know, it's a weird, <laughs> it's almost an oxymoron, but he's a defensive winger, right? Like he plays the wing position great. The only thing, he, str- the main thing he struggles with is shooting and being an offensive force, right? And arguably, I don't think they expect in the next group them to have the possession. And so maybe you need those more guys back. To stop the other team you know or, or to block the other team when they're in possession but yeah
0: I think it's it's a formation thing than anything like I wouldn't have seen you know because he's stuck Flora's stuck with the same type of formation all the way through where I don't see where Tybert fits in there and and Petrasso would fit in there and even Osorio who, that was the big controversy why he didn't get called up he wouldn't have fit that, that's just my opinion, like, especially if you're trying to work back in Will Johnson and Antipa Hutchison, where are you going to play them? Yeah. Right? And then I thought Tesho should have played because he played well uh, in the last round. And to me, you want to build up that relationship between him and Lauren. And I guess he likes Ricketts as well. Yeah. So those three, I would have continued with those three. Yeah. It's puzzling that he went with
1: me. Yeah, because yeah, my thought is that I've, I'm i interested in, like, Tesho and Kyle Aaron are two big physical yet still athletic yeah. forces up top. And I just, to me, I see that as a handful for teams to deal with two players. Up. Like, and of course, I mean, Haber's a big guy too, but he's kind of more lumbering. Yeah. He's not very, I wouldn't describe him as quick. Um. So that's that's kind of my thought is that uh, you know I would like to see that work and I could see that as an advantage against some of the you know in the next round is saying okay well we're not just going to leave Lauren to deal with all by himself throwing Akandele as well yeah. now teams have two guys to consider and think about and a team like tonight where uh, Lauren was was paired up with that number three defender who was their only tall defender
2: yeah
1: well you aren't taking advantage of they're three smaller defenders, because you have Ise out there,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. and then you're playing, and then you're also playing Ricketts so far out wide that he doesn't get to take advantage of his height, you know, a forward up a goal. So
2: the, yeah, the, it'll be interesting because with the next group, it's at least six games, so we can really see. And and I think it'll be the first time that we can really judge Floro for Floro and what he brings to the team. And and one of the concerns I have is 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 that could it be a situation because Lauren has gotten so much press and he succeeded so so well in the MLS, is Floro's hands, now he's forced to play Lauren. And is that not, wasn't part of Floro's system when he came to Canada? Like was he, you know, I think my one concern with Floro is, is, is I think he probably came to Canada thinking Canada was technically or tactically naive and that he could have full authority over it. But once players become too good, right, and, and get, you know, this, this, certainly we see this in England all the time, you know, can Lampard and Gerrard play together when, when that was an issue? Um, you know, Will Floro, can he adapt and, and to, in terms of, you know, playing the best skilled players on the pitch, but but also being technically able to play with each other?
1: Right. It's just kind of like working through, or building off that, and working through that first half. Two observations as we go through that, and maybe we talk about some of the goals, uh, but also I think the, the one to, to not quite get into that first half, but also talk about uh, the return in sort of a, a, you know, Will Johnson is is a more significant return, but also Atiba Hutchinson, who we hadn't seen through the gold cup and is, I would argue the, the heart of this team right now
2: Yeah
1: uh, Far and away The best player For Canada And you know Without him We suffer greatly But I also think I For me I noticed A difference in the midfield With Will Johnson Out there too um, yeah. Whether or not He's just You know Never cracks a smile And is all business For 90 minutes Although I think I did see him Happy to see A Hutchinson score a goal But You know There is something about the Having that experience And now someone in their prime in the midfield and will johnson i don't know what do you guys think of you
2: know, yeah well i think it's interesting that you know the lineup today canada had uh orlando player sporting kansas city player a um
1: portland timbers portland
2: Timber player and an iowa fury player and had no tfc <laughs> Montreal impact or vancouver Whitecap player in honestly. starting yeah right and he was you know and wasn't the whole goal of BMO Field and you know Canadian? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Yeah, I think
2: so. I think that's a little funny. But. Yeah,
0: for me, I think it's fitting. You know, Dero got his retirement uh, ceremony. So, and to me, uh, there's maybe some debates, but to me, he is Canada's best player for uh, a pretty good stretch, and then you get the return of uh, Hutchison and Will Johnson, who to me are probably Canada's two next best players on there. And this kind of fits into a concern that I have, is they cover up a lot of defensive mistakes. And you could see it even in this game, even though uh, Belize didn't attack all that much. And if they had a couple of guys who even were a little bit aggressive in attacking, we probably give up a goal. Or at least they get a lot of chances and make Stamatopolis work. That's going into the next uh, round. That's a major concern for me. Yeah. Especially with Edgar. Edgar, I like how he can play balls out of the back. But buddy, like, <laughs> calm down. You should yeah, we'll, not go forward we'll so get, much.
1: We'll get to that. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I want to, you know, I want to, I guess the... the if we're you know we're running that first time talking about players of course we can't go through this game without talking about Tosain Ricketts you know <laughs> he is he is the target of much criticism and there is a lot to talk so, about sure. his game you know what I mean he's like yeah. an enigma of how he's scoring scoring for us uh, continues to be a threat yet I know that you know going back and forth he re- there really is a love-hate Board. No, I'm just saying. We're oh, just saying. Oh, I mean, people being like, "Why is he out fight? there?" Yeah, and yeah. people, and then you kind of say, and then he scores, he scores two goals for us. But then he scores these goals for us tonight that were, uh, the first goal. I, uh, the person next to me wasn't didn't really see it, and just, they're like, "Oh, we scored." And I was like, "It was junk."
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was Don't drunk. get excited. It was. We, we, it was, we had good seats for that one. It was. It was. You junk. guys were right there. We we're right there. Yeah. And it was. It was junk. And, and what and, did you guys
1: see from that? Well,
2: I think. Arguably, if they use the Hawkeye or the camera, the goalie might have put in his own net before even Ricketts got the shot. Um, To his advantage, and one of the things that Lauren struggled tonight, when they're dominant in the box, being in the right place at the right time to get those opportunities and stuff like that. And I think one of the issues or criticism, I would say, of Lauren is he's trying too much to be the complete player opposed to be the end product. And I think what Ricketts did tonight and very much so was the end product and so there was a lot of sort of scrambling when when canada had their chances a lot of the chances came through crosses from the wing and there was a lot of scrambling going on in the box and so to rickett's advantage or to rickett's credit um especially with the first goal, i think the second goal i think he kind of stole that from uh, <laughs> johnson but um the first goal to his credit he was the only guy like less than a meter away from the goal line where every other Canadian was kind of around the penalty spot. And so also basically uh, Belize could just block the net. And so, you know, you need guys who can do it. You know, the only, (laughs) to add to the Ricketts humor. The funny thing is, is in the second half for some weird reason Ricketts ran um, from his own uh, net all the way to the opposing net all the way back and we were joking or I was joking saying pro zone numbers where he's trying to get his kilometers up so it looks like a good game <laughs> so it's not like he has four touches and scores two and he goals scores two and, like, goals and you're like, like hold he has, on he ran 10 kilometers and he did all this and yeah. so and then you know what is, you know I don't know for um Canada games but you give your player the game and it's weird one of the things I like about the Canadian national games mm-hmm. at BMO opposed to TFC games is is that the announcers are pretty easy going and not Screaming things at you through the whole game. And so I don't even know. Do they give a player of a game award? Because you'd assume it would have to be Ricketts, but at the same time. They
0: do. But I I, I didn't hear it announced. Yeah, I actually didn't either. I'm sure they do.
2: Because arguably you wouldn't give it to Ricketts, but I assume. You know, your natural instinct would be and especially yeah, if you didn't brace. watch the game, you'd say, Oh yeah, he's the reason a different goals, he's
1: a goal scoring machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, like my my thing with Rick is and I think where the enigma part comes in is he's very active and he's selfish with the ball. But you know so which sometimes is a good thing and you need that, especially with the like Lauren as you say, he's trying to be more of a complete player and try and get guys in the game when you want him to be more aggressive with the play and then Nakajima Faran, you know, he's way back in the midfield and De Jong's playing his position when he should be you know, more aggressive and in the box and if you only have one guy doing it, he's going to stand out and I think that's why he made the difference but in certain games he'll do that where you want him to, okay, pass the ball now or okay, play the cross in and he hit some wayward shot. <laughs> you know, that's when you get frustrated
1: with it. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely what happened. And, and so if we, like we're running through this, this, uh, you know, the, the game right now, and I guess to go into the half at one nil, yeah. I can't, I can't say that I was uh, overly thrilled by that score. And I, I was a little bit, and I'm not nervous necessarily. Like I said, when we, we started off this podcast, it's not necessarily that I'm nervous that we're not going to advance. You, I want to. I want the team to advance with confidence. Yeah. Like when we yeah. Let, when we got through the stage with Dominica to go through that with a four 0 win at home, and the and the players that scored it was like oh, this is good. This yeah. is something they'd be. Encouraged and, and certainly, and
2: certainly from the experience of the game, it was a different experience. Right. The goals were all three goals were kind of sloppy and and there was no conviction. And in the game with Dominica, especially the beginning of the game the goals were of conviction, right? Yep. And, and arguably those were professional goals just against a weaker opponent, right? And and in this game, it was dominance of possession and more aggressive within the box allowed you to score goals, right? Yeah. And and my fear would have been if Ricketts wasn't playing or wasn't the guy to be able to do that, you know, who was going to be the guy who was going to do that, right? Yeah. Because... Uh,
1: and if I could talk out of both sides of my mouth, yeah. uh, what I would say is that in, 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 a, in another regard... If you look back on some previous opponents or some previous qualifying cycles, like when we played Puerto Rico, who just sat ten men behind the ball, hmm. you take those junk goals, right? Where you like the last qualifying cycle, we couldn't do, we couldn't do anything. We just didn't know how to unlock teams like this and and find those little yeah. those little moments to finish those chances. Well, um, and that, never, and that, they never and that's, came up, and it never and, happened.
2: And arguably, that's you know because we were talking about the worry in defense. Uh, My true worry, you know, probably because I'm more offensive thinking anyway, is Canada still lacks uh, an attacking midfielder and lacks a guy who can change the game on its head. Um, You know, we were commenting and, you know, not that he did a bad job, but that Johnson was taking all the corner kicks, you know, and he's, you know, I don't think he does that in Portland. He certainly, and that's not his skill set. And you also, so there was no guy you felt you know, you always felt if you crossed the ball into the box, Lauren could be capable of scoring a goal. But you never felt if you had the ball 30 metres out and you could run at the defence or you could shoot from that that distance, there was a guy who could change the game or score a goal from there. And I think that's the thing probably not only in this World Cup run, but looking at Canada for the next, you know, six to ten, five to ten years, that that's the worry of finding that guy, the guy who's going to be you know the the free kick special. You know the guy's gonna yeah. be the true attacking midfielder. Yeah, it's the TFC dilemma.
0: <laughs> for, for me, is is at one nil, knowing that Canada is not that of a much of an aggressive team or like an entertaining. Not to say that I don't know. It's like they're not entertaining. I support them. I'm Canadian. blah <laughs> blah blah but they're, they're not an entertaining team, which is why we worry when the score is only 1-0. Yeah. If, if they were playing teams off the park, we wouldn't be. It's like, okay, oh, hey, 1-0, that's fine. We know more goals are coming, but you don't always get that yeah. with Canada.
2: See, to me, it's a team, like if this was a club team, it's a team I would really like, but the changes you would make to it, are stuff that Canada's national program don't have the capabilities of changing. We just don't have the talent in the system that's going to be that replacement at that particular position, or arguably going farther back, we have never developed those players that are needed to, especially within, you know, because one of the issues is if we're playing, you know, and it's, it's sort of unfair, but if we're playing um, I made a joke to Kamal saying we should claim to be Oceania because most of Canada is surrounded by ocean. <laughs> Play New Zealand and then we're straight to the World Cup. But the irony is is, is that attacking midfield, those flair players, I guess is the best way of putting them. That is what South America soccer or Central America soccer is, right? Like they're crazy, but they're, there's a lot of decent flair players who can do that, right? And so when Canada's playing Honduras, when Canada's playing Panama, when Canada's, and you're just doing simple scouting and stuff like that, you're going to say, well, you know, I worry for Canada because this player on Panama, this player on Honduras, this player in Mexico can just change the game by, you know, scoring an incredible goal or or running through a defense or doing something like that. Yeah.
0: And then also for me, like, uh, I worry sometimes about some of these smaller island nations that they're going to pull a rope a and, like, have all their good guys. Have all their good guys. Notice none none of their guys had names on the back of their jerseys. (laughs) That's why. That's why. And then
1: they'll go down there and be like, I could have sworn that 21 that subbed on, the guy wearing 21 this game, it's completely different.
0: (laughs) I'm saying, like, they're going to do the hockey substitution thing. And bring on their three best players, and because we didn't scout them, they're just gonna come on and just be, all be game breakers and start scoring all these yeah. goals. Well, yeah, and again,
2: I, you know, you say it, um, and, but I'll honestly say it, it that if we only had won, one nothing, and we're going to Belize where Belize could win it on a, you know, crappy goal and penalty kicks, I would have been more worried about the second game. I think right now. And and in terms of my what I'm you know, in terms of how I'm speaking, is I'm looking more, you know, I'm going beyond the away game to Belize. I'm looking more at the you know, sure. the, the next group and you know, and, and where it's gonna be. I don't think the Mexico game or the next round games are in Toronto. But it'd be funny if you brought someone to the last two games and said this is Canada soccer and see them dominate and then have the first home game against Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> With them coming in thinking Carr's gonna have the ball, it's a wicket, <laughs> 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 and then turn out to be completely different. Right? Yeah, no so.
1: kidding. I <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of like. I feel like we've sort of we don't need to necessarily go through the the rest of the game because we've kind of touched on so many different points here and there. Obviously, we know that in the second half, Rickett scored that second goal. and kind of sc- scooped it in <laughs> off. Off uh, Will Johnson's <laughs> diving header, and then we saw Atiba. And I say credit to Atiba that you know he he swooped in there and poked that to get that. And is and when we talk about an approach that Canada takes to a game of like not playing with urgency, it was. I thought it would. I don't know if you noticed, but I thought after they scored that third goal, all of a sudden they put the pedal onto the floor. Yeah, it yeah. looked like they were like they wanted to score a fourth. And I'm sort of thinking to myself, where was where was this? You know yeah. what I mean? Like they were really pushing in the last.
2: Well, Two minutes and that's, of the game. And, and, you know, credit, you know, because I didn't know it was the Tebu who got the third goal. And so he would be my player of the game because there was scenes in the game, other than playing his role as he always does, there was chances where he saw the game and what he could do and made some dribbles or attempt to make some dribbles and yeah, ran He made a ball. great one in the second yeah. half where yeah. he kind of just
1: stopped and started and dribbled and got in, and he yeah. pretty much took it right to the goal. Yeah.
2: And so, and maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it's it's a player going beyond his expectation. To making, you know, these sort of, you know, is again, I think, honestly, um, you know, well, realistically in the next group, we're going to be underdogs in most games, or almost, you know, all the games. And so what that's what you're probably going to need is you're going to need an exceptional performance or something that is not expected because you cannot just win or, or get through by just playing your normal system or playing, you know. Yeah. You and if I could, from. if I could
1: add to... Hutchinson's performance too is another thing that he brought that I was watching it was it was just midfield generalship. 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 <laughs> yeah, that is a word I think. I think. Anyways, I mean he was he was pretty much conducting a lot of the play yeah. on the field. And it's it just was a lot of it was subtle where he was just he would he would pass it, he would like sort of knock it around and he would just tell the player like relax, like stay calm, like he was just telling everyone like stay calm. Don't don't sense any urgency. Just keep, let's just keep working through this. i um, trying to keep everything like even keeled, and I think that's going to be important, uh, especially in the next round. That people don't get a panic when and yeah. just started playing this, you know, hot potato.
0: Um, I I think they look to him to do that too. You can see the players like. They respond to him whereas like if another player was to do that they might not respond as, as well. Yeah. That's going to come into play for me more on road games like in Azteca and all these different places. That's where you're going to need that. You need one guy to be the conductor and like the, the leading voice. Yeah. And I think that's the guy.
1: Yeah. Um, so if we can I think now the t- two ways I want to look at it is Maybe part of it, part of it is I don't think of any of us or anyone who follows the team thinks that we're gonna go to Belize and get smoked.
2: Yeah, Wow. come on a little bit. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on, let's put that out there,
1: I, and I think I don't, I really don't think it's absurd to be looking ahead to the group stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it's that you can tie some together, but I think the the discussion I wanted to talk about was about the players and if there's anyone we can think that we didn't see either start this game or wasn't called up or that was absent for any reason that is going to be necessary for us in the next round or any thoughts on, on any thoughts on, you know, what will give us our best chances in that, in that, in these next whatever six games uh, through the next two years between Mexico, Honduras, and I think it's probably going to be El Salvador.
2: Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's interesting because I was trying to think of, of, the positions on the pitch where you can make changes, right? Based on taking away or keeping, you know, knowing the players are automatics. Conversation that you guys can have is is within the defense. You know, I don't know, there's no name that sort of pops off my head and says, oh, that guy should be in there opposed to the two defenders who are today. The two things to me is the, who's playing that extra winger, you know, Akindeli, Ferran, uh, um, Tybert, you know, that thing. And then the other one is, is do you really need um, and we don't know the Guzman's health because the Guzman went out early tonight. Do you need the three defensive midfielders? Because you have the skill and the leadership of Johnson and Hutchison, is that enough to keep that midfield secure or keep the you know the team secure? Do you feel more comfortable with the third de- defensive midfielder? Yeah. Or is there a guy you can put in that will maybe spark more offense or, or add a bit?
1: Well, the thing that I would... Like to see in the the formation that I think always I think Atiba Hutchinson can play more advanced okay. and is capable of being a playmaking mm. midfielder and that was one thing that I thought was strange was there was there was points in this game where Nick Ledgerwood was pushing far up and the yeah. player covering him on the back line was Hutchinson.
2: Well, and that's the thing. and that was and wild that, for but, me. But that was the formation, and, and again, I think that you know I don't know what's called, but I, that is a you know, that's a taut formation, right? There's a taut formation where you allow the wing backs to basically be complete wing wingbacks. You know, it's ironic because we talked about this with Morgan, and I had thought, you know, years back, but, you know, when uh, uh, Aaron Winter was doing his 4-3-3. Yeah. And, and this, there's this notion where you let the wingbacks run the whole wing, so they're responsible for running from one end of the pitch to the other end of the pitch, and to protect them you have these holding midfielders come back and and they become your back four, your back five, depending on how you set up your team. Yeah. Um, And so it seemed to me like we didn't get the advantage of, um, you know, because of Canada having the ball and being always in the offensive zone, we didn't get to see the Ledgerwood side, but we did see the Ferran, the young... Uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, s- probably Johnson's side. Yeah, and they were doing it like they are you know, self-consciously, or they were saying, "Okay, if I run up, you run back," and it was like, you know, like you could map it out and stuff like that. So it seemed to me that that was the formation that Floro was was teaching the team, and, yeah. and that's the formation he likes. But
0: Yeah. for me, I would have said Akindele. But for me, it's more you need a. It's more of a formation change that if you're gonna. If you are going to be more attacking and include more attacking talent, it can't be with the formation that you're using now. And also, I think he has a Floro has a certain love or over reliance on particular players like Marcus Haber. Don't know why he always goes with him, because I don't think he's all that talented. He's just tall.
1: Well who else who if he was gonna sub yeah, out Lauren?
0: Sorry, so he's like Peter. Crouch. Yeah,
1: but he doesn't have a lot of options really, like outside of. Well, I mean, I, I guess if you took out Lauren, you could do like for like and put an Akandele
0: for him, like in a game like That's tonight. What I'm right? saying, so you would need to change the formation around. Yeah, and also like you know, like you have Becker, who is like he's more of a defensive type of midfielder now and. Piet's a defensive type of midfielder. Now. Yeah, and it is an issue is that you're talking about, right? But he's yeah. defensive. Yeah. There's
1: no one who's really at the height, like at the peak of their career, or is in their prime.
2: Yeah, and, and to be uh, honest with you, if you look at, you know, partly because this is one of the things we do, I guess, at <laughs> Prospect 11, we can do a plug. Um, even if you look at the youth players, there's some interesting players, but you don't know how to – they're not dominant enough to change the system, especially going into the next six months to a year kind of thing. You know, yeah. Bustos at Vancouver is an interesting player. Froze or is at yeah. Va- uh, Vancouver is an interesting Bocai. player. Boykai with Edmonton. And those would kind of add flair and, and change the system. It'd be interesting to see how Canada during the U23 qualifier for the Olympics and, and will Lauren actually be called up for that? And, and you know, is this the team that they designed for the future? And Flora's influence on that, because that might be where he sort of, you know, allows those players to look more technically developed than they might look now, because I think one of the issue with these young players is they're just told to go out there and play. And so they're not developing into a necessarily into a system. They're just sort of using their athletical skills and and other skills they have to, you know, get this far in their career, right? And so if Floro can use a Chapman, use a a Boyacai, use a Bustos and play, you know, in in that example, right? Like, and again, I'm not saying (laughs) they're good enough, right? But if you have Larn up front and then you have a three, you know, attacking mid, a Bustos um uh, both Kai and Chapman and then you have the two defensive midfielders and the four back the four yeah. two three one that could be an interesting formation right and you know and you know who knows that might be potential for Canada in the future
0: yeah I was I was thinking that now you have the perfect stage to do that with this three no win but if you already picked 23 players yeah you change you can't change them now right
1: no I think that's his, that's his gonna be his team you for go. Tuesday. Now you have
0: a lost opportunity. You could have, if you had put some attacking talent, young attacking talent, on the bench instead of having eight defensive midfielders. <laughs> then you know you. Could've... Well, I think
2: the other thing that will be interesting. I'll try to be positive and say Canada's going all the way. But um, the other interesting thing is where how the schedule will be for the next round. And will Mexico games be early or Mexico games be late, right? Because if their games against Mexico is later on in that state and in that schedule, it will give the impression that Canada as a whole. Yeah. If they've played their first two games against Mexico and lose eight, nothing, we can go, okay, we're not going to make it this time. Let's use the last four games to bring these younger players and continue to develop what we're trying to do for the future. So, you know, that will also, I think, play a role, right? Because we'll know... You know, I think I think how we play against Mexico and certainly how we play against Honduras and El Salvador early will show us if we really are good enough to make it to the Hex and to the World Cup. Yeah, d- <laughs> deep sigh.
1: Yeah, because it it's really is. I mean, the truth, I mean, Canada is a country where we, I mean, we need, we, we can't compete against the most teams unless we have all the best players playing. And at that point, they're all playing at their best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and even the last time, the last cycle, I thought we had some really good players who were sort of at the peak, uh, playing at good levels of, of professional football. And I mean, when i was, if I look at our back line, I mean that's sort of where I say I'm, I have concerns, especially last time when you had uh, Kevin McKenna who was playing well the second Bundesliga up to the Bundesliga, hovering right. around the Bundesliga with Col- with Cologne or in Cologne, and. Uh, this time, it's David Edgar, who's now in League One.
2: Yeah. And well, then, and, then, yeah, and then you
1: have questions about yeah. who he's partnered with. Is it Dayan Jakovic, who's playing in Japan, which is just such a bizarre league to sort of be able to call, like, say, oh, the guy who plays in Japan will play like this against CONCACAF players. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't measure well, it. Well,
2: then even so, and, you know, and, and, and Lauren deserves a lot of the credit he's gotten, and, and certainly, you'll, you know, we're looking forward, and I think he'll be a good player. But, you know, would you prefer to have Lauren or, you know, and I guess it's a good debate. Would you prefer to have Lauren or do on his prime as your attacking main attacking option? Right. And so, you know, I would say, you know, partly I like teams that certainly teams that you're not buying and teams that are developing and you have to see, you know, and have flaws. And so I think it's a good question. You know, are we better than we were, um, you know, four Four years years ago or, you know. Well, I, and I don't know how long we're into the pod, but I guess we could do. Can we do sights and sounds? Yeah, let's that? do <laughs> it. Let's. Well, yeah, you know what we're kind okay, of. Well, waiting I, now. I have a general. You know, I, a general question was: is what did you think of the support, and what did your opinion on the game? And, and oh, sure. And
1: yeah, that's. I mean, that's an important question too for the next round.
2: I will say that we paid $16 a ticket, which was cheaper than the CNE, and had great seats, like the nicest seats in the house, and we were offered free tickets walking around outside. You were offered? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From there's, who? Just random girls and... No, 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 through? girls, like working for yeah. the stadium, or working work for, for CSA, or... Whatever. And You're offering go? free tickets. Yeah.
0: yeah, they're like, oh, do you have tickets to the game? We're like, yeah, they're like, oh, I was gonna give you some.
2: And we're also sitting by, with a row of girls, who I don't think they fired. <laughs> t- yeah, I think it was the first time I've ever been to a soccer game, and I don't think they went yeah, out of their yeah. way to buy the soccer tickets. That's but, interesting. But so I don't know how, like, if they what they call it when they fill up a room just to make it they look like it's <laughs> Yeah, <up. laughs> right.
0: Yeah, that's um, it.
1: Well, that's interesting. Is and I guess well, it's sort of like two, some observations is that it is unfortunate when you have a, you know however many people at the CNE and you couldn't. Yeah, well, yeah, that,
2: that that was... One thing I did note
1: yeah. that I thought was frustrating was when I walked into the stadium, there wasn't a lot of people trying to get in, and it was painful. I was, like, the third person behind, and I'm standing there for, like, a couple minutes to five minutes as security is trying to figure out... Yeah. To explain yeah. to people, you can't bring in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, we got to yeah. look through your bags, and people being like, what do you mean I can't bring in a water bottle? Well, I've and, been in the CNE all day.
2: You know, and the funny thing is, is, is I used to go to... Um, I used to go to Blue Jay games when they're at Exhibition Stadium, and one of the big, you know, they used to have games at twelve o'clock on even a Wednesday because it was this connection with the CNE, and you could go. Now prices are different on all aspects now, but you could go into the food building at the CNE, buy a forty cents hot dog, and then walk into Exhibition Stadium and watch the game. And no one, you know, other than if you had a gun or a knife, no one cared because yeah. they didn't want their four eighty for water or eight dollars for a steak sandwich, right? So. Um, you know, I think that's part of the thing is that I think they're trying to make as much money as they want. That's where they're getting people. Yeah, to and the thing
1: that I water, wonder too but... is if those those people that were standing there to me that like what they weren't wearing Canada jerseys or nothing. So part of me says, well, when they told them they can't come in with their stuff, did they just did they have free tickets and they just walked oh, away? Okay,
2: yeah, yeah, which yeah.
1: may have been the case, yeah. and that may actually have hurt the chances of getting a few more, you know, another hundred people. Yeah, no.
2: There. Again, I thought it was, you know, I thought. But people I, the, enjoyed themselves like I thought the the atmosphere of the game was good there well, was, it was a great there, night there was yeah it was nice outside certainly nice outside and I thought that the um, <laughs> and then my only other sight in South, because we've been talking about defense all night is Donnell Henry which yeah. you, you saw him in the concourse f- concourse so, yeah, yeah he's so a I just thought, maniac. <laughs> <laughs> I can't so get over how have, I can't because I'm over... thinking because it's funny because I'm thinking to my head I'm like we don't have any other defenders. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah we do have done, <laughs> You can
1: cross our fingers that if he has a good season, he might be good to go.
2: Who was who his Europa opponent?
1: Oh, I can't remember who he played. I don't think we're playing.
2: Like, so or... Uh, Romanian team? I don't yeah, play, I don't or think like a Eastern European team. I, I don't think, think Canada played. has any Romanian games coming. Yes.
1: <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. He got, he got skewered on Twitter. But, I mean, it, it's just... I, I, I keep my fingers crossed for him just because it, athletically and physically, I mean, he is just a specimen, yeah. it could, and it, it could be just that anchor that we could use. Um, as long as his just his passing, I think, is his biggest Achilles heel. Right and, now. and to
2: be honest, it, it's interesting. It's very interesting that you we're talking about this because um, you know Kamal works in, with basketball, and we we're talking about it. And I was a fan of Canada basketball for you know twenty or thirty years, and the biggest difference in Canadian basketball today is how athletic the Canadian team is. And so when it's playing against Argentina and Cuba and stuff like that, you know, they're playing above the rim, they're incredibly athletic. And that is one thing that probably Canada's lacked soccer-wise as well. And to have these guys like Henry and Lauren and, and stuff like that, you know, we can, the hope is, is we can teach the football talent or we can develop the football talent. But because they're such athletic specimens and have such great potential, I think that does give us some hope You know, opposed to, you know, where we were in the past, kind of thing. Mm, Yeah.
0: I guess my sights in the sound, part of it was the banner. But uh, also, it's encouraging to see, like, the U-17s or U-20s out there in, like, supporting the team uh, in the stands. And it's been that we've not just in this game, but uh, the last one and during Gold Cup, and, like, you can see it's encouraging to see that not only from a supporting standpoint but i'm sure they're learning certain things and like i think they sit with their coaches and they kind of give them tips and pointers so that's something that i like to see and I'm not sure that happens with other countries. Yeah, but it's nice to see at least. The- yeah, and I would
2: say in general, opinion on the support, I think we really do have a nice, close knit. And I don't mean that to say that you know no one else is invited, but I think especially with the Canadian team, we have a nice, close knit audience, right? Like the supporter section was fairly busy from where where we were sitting. You know, as he said, the under twenty team was there. There was a lot of quite a few familiar faces in the crowd and yep. stuff like that. So, you know, if you can bring more people in and they see that, same, that we saw uh, in our section, we saw people with very young kids who I think uh, was a uh, One of, the, I think it was D-Row, one of the players was around signing autographs and the kids were all super excited for that. So, you know, if you get that right, it's just a numbers thing. You know, it, it seems it's not like people are going to the game and hating it or people are going to the game and having, you know, being disruptive or yeah, anything yeah. like that. I think they're having a good time. It's just getting... You know, I think the announce was 10,000 tonight. Yeah. So it's just getting more people than that.
0: That being said, I am in favor of moving the games around from outside Toronto. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it just because they... I'm in full
1: support of Fort McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico and I I, I, do, I would love,
2: I would love, like, I do think that, you know, and, and it's completely selfish because we're in Toronto, but the Mexico home game in Toronto, I think that that, because I think that could create for lack of a better term, a feminist environment. And people feel that really matters because I think one of the problems with, especially now because we're playing these easy games, is these Canadian games seem like a party, seem like a fun time, seem like, oh, we're supporting the boys. But there's no sort of struggle. There's no sort of animosity. There's no sort of thing. And especially, you know, one of the things, and unfortunately Canada did a horrible job going from it, But was when Canada almost qualified for the World Cup and played the game in Varsity Arena against Mexico and had 30, you know, and the stadium was falling apart, but still got like 30,000 people out there. And a lot of them were supporting Canada and a lot of them were supporting Mexico, but it created this sort of like, if you're going to become a diehard soccer fan, that was the experience that would allow you to become that. And I don't think... You know, I think there's a lot of people support Canada, support TFC, and stuff like that. But until they have those experiences where they think there's there's a reason my support matters, yeah, I think that that will provide. Yeah, you know, you know I still can't growth. wrap
1: my head around how in
2: 2008,
1: am I thinking 2008? Yeah, when we hosted Jamaica in the World Cup qualifier. I mean, that was that was like twenty thousand people were there. Yeah, the stadium was full. Yeah. and it was that back and forth. I yeah. mean, the Jamaicans were smattered throughout it but you know they'd get a they'd start attacking goal and you get that rise (laughs) that they all do and you're just like calm down nothing's happened (laughs) all right you haven't even shot the ball on target and you guys are freaking out and then and then of course you know like we and then that's when support was really uh, you know catching on in Toronto and was big and it's just it's strange that the next cycle that just never happened and whether that's because we only got one game that time the other game was in Montreal and Edmonton, uh, and now they're all in Toronto. I'm just not sure, and it probably doesn't help that after 2008, TFC continued to shit the bed nonstop.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that's the problem. I, you know, I've been frustrated. I've been to actually quite a few TFC games this year, and I've been frustrated because it almost feels, you know, outside of hearing the supporter section sing to you the whole game, it almost feels like going to a Maple Leafs game or something, or going to a Blue Jay game. Right? It feels like an entertainment activity opposed to this is a soccer game you know there, there's something that matters we care about this team and kind of thing it seems like a, a, you know an activity kind of thing right yeah. An entertainment thing and so so but again I think the 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 jump is not you know all you have to feel is is threatened right as soon as you feel threatened then you're you know then, then your you guard engage. goes up and then yeah. you engage and all that kind of stuff so that's all or or that or some iconic, dramatic victory that, you know, that gets the team completely in support. And and with TFC, there has been historically a couple of situations, you know, winning the game in the rain in the 94th minute where you felt if TFC was smarter and could build on that, that that could have done something. But, you know, now it seems like, you know, a prawn cocktail <laughs> or Wembley, man. It's Wembley Jr., man. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> prawn Me, cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> my first live game was the the ecuador game that was here and that was really awkward like i was surrounded by yellow and it was like it was weird but to your point about fort mcmurray send honduras there yeah because it's payback for 8-1 that's what i would do
1: yeah well and that's what's gonna happen because the game's not gonna be in toronto this fall is what they're saying so um i think we should leave it at that i think we've Cranked out a pretty significant podcast Covered a lot of different (laughs) things Uh, I love I'm love, i always like Gotta keep it under 40 It's so much easier to edit But we've gone a bit beyond that That's fine And um, I think the next time We do a a Canadian men's national team one I think I might look ahead Right right before that The next round starts Kind of do a bit of a preview And get some episodes through that So uh, We'll leave it at that Kamal and Aaron I'll say you can get both of you At Prospect (laughs) 11 I'll direct them to that um, I saw that you just did, what was it, some NCAA stuff, some mm-hmm. players to watch in the draft that are from around the world. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess that's pretty plugging cool.
2: anything, which is very interesting, is, is that I'm actually meeting the technical director of the OSA next week, and we're talking about OPDL and, and the good and bad and, and, and stories regarding that. And, and primarily, I think the hope of the conversation is to talk about you know the long term development and what's the goal of OPDL and you know where the kids who are playing OPDL at like O-14 or U-14 U-13 you know where will they be in five years and what's you know to look for there so I think that'll be very interesting great and
1: everyone knows you can catch me at Clark R o and if you have uh, any comments to email in uh, info or have your save nation CA. and uh, this you might get two of these in your iTunes I think I'm going to go watch the Sanders game tomorrow so I'll see who I can rope into that, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic matchup for Toronto, depleted team. Uh, but luckily, none of their players got called up, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, and on that note, so Canada wins three 0 We still have uh, a way to Belize coming up, but I think uh, hopefully, touch wood, I didn't uh, curse anything, <laughs> talk about the future podcast, and uh,
2: I hope I told, w- I told you, but we'll be talking Khabar's to you guys, money on that game, that's yeah.
1: <laughs> And we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at RedNationOnline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree. It doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole. Ours is The Fury, the footy roundup, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.